All right, everybody, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. You know, as we're going into the end of 2021, you know, something I've been reflecting on, I really thought coming out of the pandemic, what we were going to see this year in 21 was a different kind of pandemic. And I think that was going to be a crisis in a lot of people's identity. They're going to be processing and dealing with everything that's happened over the last year and a half. I Everybody I'm working with, the clients I'm working with, their employees, the people in the world, just I think just the level of pressure and noise that's happened where we were hoping that, you know, things would start to get back to normal. But I I think that level of pressure and noise is actually louder, especially when it comes to how we're, I think, receiving it individually. You know, with that, as I look at my own journey, there's times, and I talk about this in my book. You know, that we just have to slow down in order to get the important things right to speed up. And in that, I wanted to bring on my friend, Dr. Johnny Parker, to come on and really talk about how to do that well and in a way that I think is just going to be incredibly helpful for everybody listening. So, Johnny, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. Hey, John. Great to be with you, my friend. Man, it's great to be with you here, too. Here's a little bit of uh, Johnny's background. You're director of counseling and the men's ministry at First Baptist Church up in uh, in Maryland. Executive coach. I've heard you speak. Oh, my goodness. You are so deep, so wise. You're also an adjunct professor at Johns Hopkins. In addition to that, you do a lot of work with pro athletes. you got some really cool stories there. CEOs, ministry leaders. <laughs> We don't want them to leave the ministry. We want them to lead and stay in the ministry, right? High achievers. And um, you know what? Uh, You've done a lot of work with the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Redskins, the Mystics, Washington Mystics. It's not like, you know, woo-woo Mystics. They're they're actually a sports team, folks. So, (laughs) But, you know, your resume is incredible. Some of the companies that you've helped. But you know what? When I heard you speaking at Pinnacle Forum, then that's how we met, um, John and I. And if you guys aren't familiar with Pinnacle Forum, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But you were talking about, hey, what does it look like to unlock the story within you? Right. And, and my whole journey coming out of my accident was to understand not who I was, but who God made me to be. And what is that story that involves him? Not the story that I guess I was writing, if that makes sense. And doing that is hard to do, isn't it, Johnny? And so you have a book out, it's called Turn the Page, you know, connecting to that story within. And so, folks, we're going to be talking about it. How do we actually do that? What does it look like? Connect to Johnny. Just before we hit record, you were talking about the difference, I think, between the front stage and the backstage. And it was this fascinating concept. Maybe we could start there. I'd love for you to share more about about that is kind of how we weave into what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, sure, John. And again, thanks for having me. And so, yeah, we all have a, like a, you, you've been to a theater play. I'm a New York guy. So I grew up going to the theater quite often in uh, Times Square area and Broadway. And so at the theater, there's a front stage and that's where the performance happens. And, but we also know that in order for that performance to be uh, stellar and epic, it's the work of the backstage. It's the stuff you don't see behind the curtain. And that's metaphor. That's a great metaphor for our lives that we all have this front stage. Leaders have a front stage, productivity, performance, achievement, um, <clears throat> uh, technology, and, and all those things matter. Culture, all those things matter. 
but it's the backstage, John, that informs, sustains whatever good work happens on the front stage. And that's what I believe is getting neglected is we're putting so much emphasis on the front stage, especially now with social media. We're putting so much emphasis on the front stage that people are burning out. On the over 52% of Americans are experiencing some degree of burnout. 42% prior to COVID, but now it's way up over 52%. And largely because of the front stage energy and the neglect of the health, the soul of what's going on in our backstage. Yeah, and I think you're spot on because the busyness in the world right now, actually, I was just talking about it with one of my clients this morning, just, you know, people, we're constantly in meetings, we're on video, we're, we're starting to try to do some things in person, we're catching up on all these work, we're short staffed, right? It's uh, like across the board, the CEOs that I'm talking to, hiring people that really want to come in and work and filling I think you know, even some more skilled positions, is it's getting harder and harder. So guess what? We've had to focus on almost all the transactional stuff. And this relational thing, if you look at Christ, right? Everything he did when he came in, right? He, the first thing he did, hey, let's have a meal. You know, we're going to have conversation. We're going to get to know each other. I'm going to love on you. You're going to feel welcomed and warm. You're going to, there's going to be, I mean, gratitude. I could just imagine some of the best teaching in the world that and and the works that they were doing if you actually looked at the work the labor the walking the serving you know being with groups of people but also the relational side and we lose that one of the things you said to me and I love it is you know what to live a sustained impactful life we have to get that front stage lined up with the backstage and i almost see that with as almost the transactional face that a lot of us feel we have to put on, but almost having a support system. I, I was a, a Navy fighter pilot and you know what, and a lot of, and you work with a lot of professional athletes and it's a similar thing, right? We see the, I guess the, you know, the actions that people do and they're like, wow, that's amazing. What people don't realize behind everybody, you have a system of trainers, people that are coaching you, you're, you're spending time studying, you're spending time alone, thinking about, you know, the game plan, we would do the same thing before a brief, before we go into a combat mission. We're like, well, how do you guys have time to do all that? Well, guess what? If we didn't do all that stuff, if the backstage was not healthy, we know we would fail in combat. And That's we right. get into the world and people don't focus on the backstage at all. And all of a sudden you lose that support structure. That doesn't even surprise me at all that more than half of the people. So think about that on average, half of the people listening right now, you probably feel like you are burned out right? When you're listening to this, you're like, I don't know, like, I like, if I can just get through Friday, that's a win. That is not living a life, man, when your joy in Christ is activated. Yeah. Right? John, I'm, I'm on video, Johnny's like nodding. So what do we do to start fixing that? And, and I'd also love for you to talk about, as you connect that dot to what brought this into a place for you, that was a calling and such a deep passion, Johnny? Sure. So you're right, because, um, you know, again, with that burnout, one out, of, one out of five Americans are experiencing some type of anxiety. Again, I really believe, as we've been saying, you've been saying, John, it's because of the neglect of the backstage. And so I just posted uh, recently that the greatest gift that I or every leader can give themselves, their family, their team, their organization 
is a healthy, energized, focused, surrendered self. That every day, Johnny Parker, I have to have a daily, listen to this, a daily meeting with the emphasis on me and meeting with self. I got to have a meeting with myself and look at what do I want? Why do I want it? Okay. And why does it matter? Who am I? What do I want? Why does it matter? Those are three questions that I ask myself every day. Who am I? That's identity. What do I want? That's impact. Why do I want it? That's intent. Those are three critical questions. And I just find, John, that, that as a leader, if, if a leader is not constantly inviting God, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit into his or her backstage, and, and along with that, a supporting cast of a community of people who they've given access pass, because everyone doesn't get an access pass to your backstage. It's got to be people who've earned the right to have an access pass to your backstage. And when we talk about the backstage, we're talking about your heart and soul. And so a leader needs to one daily have a meeting with self where they're inviting God, the Holy Spirit, to their backstage and people like a pinnacle forum, men and women, who've earned the right to be in your backstage, to search you, to know you, to hold you accountable for living your best life. Yeah. You know, that community for me, my Pinnacle Forum group, as I've been through things, you know what, that is huge. But you know what, that only works at the level that we are actually willing to build some vulnerable relationships too. I don't know about the women out there listening, but I, I think for guys you know, going, let's say I go, Hey, Dr. Parker, can we grab coffee? Like, dude, I messed up or I had a bad day or I, I, I had, this is bad, right? Most of us are not going to have that conversation because yeah. guess what? God already knows. He already sees everything in the front stage, the backstage, the broom closet in the back that you thought you locked, but yeah. Guess what? He's like, no, I, you know, buddy, I, I, I saw all that. <laughs> right. But you know what? You write about the fact that we get to rewrite our story. Yes. And here's something I, I really want to share with people. Why are we not comfortable being real? How, where is it where we don't build some of these trusting relationships? I'll guarantee you in the body of Christ, we have brothers and sisters around us that are those people or can be those people quickly. Because one of the things I experienced when I was in God's presence in my accident, when I because I shouldn't be here, Johnny, I just had my 10-year anniversary of my accident, the one that put me in the hospital for two years. Yeah, yeah. And I got to tell you, I was reflecting on something that just so struck me when you're talking about this. When I was in God's presence, I, for the first time in my life, felt true, raw, powerful, overwhelming, unconditional love. Because when I first felt God's love to me, my first thought as a human in his presence, I didn't even know how bad my body was crushed at the time, was that I'm not worthy of somebody loving me like this. And I knew in that moment, and everybody hear me, please, because I am not unique. I am not special. And that is clear in scripture because God loves us equally that anything and everything I had ever done in my life, good, bad, anything that carried shame or guilt or anger or fear, not even relevant at all to the love he had with me right in the present then and now in a relationship that he was inviting me into. And I got to tell you, that was the most, Johnny, transformational prime moment of my life 
to actually understand that the God of the universe, first of all, cared about me. I had never connected those dots. But not only did he care about me as a person, as an individual, but he loved me with that ferocity. Like, seriously, you know, as we're talking about some of these things, right? In inviting God in, he is there. He, he is sitting there waiting for us to develop that relationship with you, to build that backstage. And you're right, Johnny. And, you know, with that, with God's love, with him in your corner, with him right there, and I think a lot of people may be just unhappy with life as they see it now. What does it take to start rewriting that whole script? Yeah, well, it takes a daily surrender. You cannot turn the page to a better story until we first own the current story. That's, you know, Adam and Eve had a chance at this when God says to Adam, where are you? And that's where it starts. It starts with that honesty. We call it in business, emotional intelligence, that self-awareness. It wasn't a hide and seek question. God asked Adam, where are you? He wanted Adam to tell the truth. I ate it. I own it. Because whatever we don't own will own us. And so the more that we can, we start there with God, show me me. It's what the David prays. In Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, search me, O God, know my anxious thoughts, see the hurtful way in me, because we all have a hurtful way in us, see the hurtful way in me and lead me, rewrite my story, lead me in the way of life. And that's what David is saying. And John, my own, my own story around that, I can remember early in my marriage, I would get so angry with my wife that I felt like physically striking out. And that, that I, I'm, I'm embarrassed even to say that, because we've been married 32 years, but the first five years... I didn't know what to do with my emotions. I felt like striking out. And so I would literally, I would drive, I would leave at midnight, drive around the beltway in DC. I tell people, if you ever want to know how long it takes to get around the beltway, just ask me. I know it too well. I was stuck in that story. I blamed God for not changing me. I wanted God to just kind of like zap me and I don't have these difficult emotions. I blame my wife saying that I'm a good man. If you would just respect me, I'd be a better, you know, that was, I was stuck in a bad story in my marriage. That's when, that's when this started really, really to take hold Mm. and change my own story, John. And when I prayed, God, show me, me, search me. God showed me I needed to heal from my growing up, my childhood. I needed healing. I needed to embrace my identity as a beloved son. I needed to stop living in blame and shame, which many of us get stuck in a bad story. But until I owned that, I was stuck in blame and shame and this tension and this drama in my marriage. So that's where it starts. It starts really with that. I call it the man bold truth. And I have to demand the man bold truth. Yes. Demand. I got to demand bold truth of myself. Oh, demand. Demand bold truth. Okay. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Demand. I got to demand that. I got to demand bold truth. I got to demand that of myself and begin to allow God's spirit to show me me and show me those things that I need to own in my life, take fearless ownership of my challenges and my strengths and begin to embrace what it means to be loved by God and what it means. You know, look at the beforehand, right? When you're like heading out to the car, ticked off, dripping around the beltway, right? And all this stuff, right? And it's not where you want it to be because, man, I can so relate to that. I know a lot of people probably can too. How would you describe almost maybe the mindset that you had then and then compare that or contrast that with the mindset that, 
God helped you develop as things opened up, as you rewrote things? Well, because it was very outward looking and, and, and without me doing the internal hard work of the heart where I allow God to do my hard yeah. work. So it was always, it was front stage relationship where I was looking for others to validate me, love me, accept me, approve me, fear of man stuff. So actually that was the emotional stuff and the spiritual stuff of the backstage and way it showed up on the front stage was my behavior, with my behavior. I, I didn't own anything. And so when I began to understand scripture like Proverbs 4.23, attend to your own heart, your own backstage with all diligence, because to deal with the backstage, John, it's diligent. If I got to deal with my heart, I got to deal with emotions, I got to deal with my intent, I got to deal with my motives. So that change began to happen when I allowed God full access to my backstage to show me me and to begin to look at my wife, Leslie, and begin to look out on the front stage through a lens of love and abiding because my soul, as the psalmist says, finds rest in God alone. Mm -hmm. And so when I began to embrace rhythms and disciplines to nurture my backstage, that when I showed up in my marriage, when I showed up as a leader, when I showed up with my team, I'm showing up from love and not for love. And that's very, very different. Showing up from love and not for love. Now I'm not blaming. Now I'm looking to serve. Now I'm looking to enter into the narrative of my wife, of my team, and do nothing from selfish ambition but to enter into the narrative of others, leaving them better off than how I found them. But that all began with first ownership. That all began with first allowing the spirit of God, as you said, to love on me and to know my identity as a beloved son, not as a walking in as a wounded son, and that being my identity, but as a beloved son. Well, thank you for sharing that. You know, that transition to taking that personal responsibility for, and I know so many people listening, and I'm sure you have, right? We haven't even gotten into some of the story things, but, you know, understanding how you might think in a certain situation or the emotions that are coming to the front of our mind in certain situations that could make you feel angry or disrespected, or undervalued, or happy, or proud, right? There's all these things. And then our actions that we take from there, you know, you said the uh, identity, and it was coming from external, like what you did. I would go do this, like think about it, like I think like these professional athletes, right? Their identity is like when I was in the Navy as a fighter pilot, my identity was a fighter pilot. And then I had a injury and I lost my medical, it was taken away from me. And my identity, not only my dream and my life's kind of work at the time, but my identity was stripped away. And it was one of the hardest things I ever did. In that for yourself, that own personal transition, if people are there right now, they're like, okay, I can relate to that. I want to move toward that. That sounds so attractive. Being a place where I feel loved, where I'm abiding in the Lord, I'm resting. And I, and I love what you said. What if I really felt like I was not showing up for love? I was not showing up to be, to get the pat on the back. I wasn't showing up out of obligation to serve on this committee, but I was actually just showing up from a place of, you know, from love doing the work God has prepared for me. 
So in that transition for you, what were some of the hardest things for you, Johnny, that you had to maybe like overcome to start working in those areas? Well, for sure, um, the getting past self-pity mm. and validation, because those were thirsts of my soul. Self-pity, again, goes back to shame. Is that, oh, who do you think you are, Johnny Parker, that you could go do this? You could go write a book. You could do that, whatever the, that was in my life. So, so shame was really, really loud in my story. And so that was incredibly loud in the story and the search for validation. I would perform on the front stage and achieve something, but what was driving that, John, was validation. I needed you to say, Johnny Parker, that was a great message. Johnny Parker, you are the real deal. I needed people, I'm looking for men, which is rooted in fear. But the, the thirst for validation was really, really strong. And, 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 uh, and I kept looking for people, man, to quench that thirst. And so what it led mm. to, John, also led to depression. It led to panic attacks. It led to me wanting to have an affair because in my backstage, I have these emotional private wrestlings, but I'm not letting anyone access. I'm not giving anyone access. I'm not giving the John Ramsteads or my wife, even my wife who was knocking on the door of my backstage wanting to have access. And I was like, no, it's too messy back here. And in my thirties, John, my front stage looked pretty impressive. I got what I thought I wanted. It's a dangerous thing when a man gets what he thinks he wants and then he's still unfulfilled. I mean, my front stage, I wrote, I wrote a best-selling book, a marriage book. I'm speaking nationally. I'm on CNN. I'm speaking internationally. Excuse me. I'm working for large Fortune 500 companies. But yet, I am depressed. I'm having panic attacks. I don't know what's going on. I didn't have language for what was going on. And I say, you know, I found in, my, in myself, John, that whatever a man doesn't talk out, he will begin to act out or bury the pain and bury it alive. I wanted to act out through an affair. I didn't do it, but I wanted to. And then I buried the pain and it turned into depression. That was a stuck place for me. I, I, Cause I couldn't identify my loneliness, my backstage. You need three things in, a, in, a, in your backstage. You need the Lord, okay? You need his spirit and, and we need his word. I'll say four things. We, we need God's spirit, God's word. We need God's people. And that's where I was not good at having community, a supporting cast, as I call mm. it in my turn the page book. I did not allow men like you, John, or my wife access to my backstage. So it left me in this very lonely story and a sense of isolation. What you just said, you know, it reminds me of the tyranny of they. I think so many of us, when our identity mm. is external, I'm looking at, hey, what, how do they define success? How do they expect yes. me to show up? How do they expect me to talk yeah. and dress? How do they expect me to treat my wife or go out, you know, or what boards I should be on? And what I found is when, like, I just like you, Johnny, my front stage looked awesome. And you know what? I would think about walking into my backstage Anxiety, I think that is a great word. I, I described it as like this smoldering discontent because there was no alignment between these two now that I'm hearing you talk about it. And I think the greater that disalignment is, the more stress and anxiety and depression we experience. And here's the great news, folks. There's a very simple answer, and that is Jesus. And here's what I found is as I... I'll never forget, Johnny, I was, you know, I'm 
I started trying to figure out, okay, what is my backstage? I was trying to say, okay, what's my backstage? And then that shifted to this. What is the backstage that God created for me that is perfect and healthy and fuels, you know, and creates that alignment? And I actually started looking at, hey, what is my identity in Christ that fuels that healthy place? And I got to tell you, as I started to close this gap, if people are wondering, like, hey, how do I do this? How do I take that ownership that Johnny was just talking about? And I'd love for your perspective, John, you know, people listening right now, they're like, okay, like, yeah, I like, I'm depressed. I do have some panic attacks. Like life right now is not the one that I thought I'd have at my age. What's that next small step I can take? How do I start loving God, loving myself a little bit more and start to understand some of these small things I can do that over time create these, just these magnificent results. Well, you know, I, I created that large acrostic, and we touched on the L of love. In the backstage, God writes his story on a man, a woman, a leader's heart, and it starts with that love, that love relationship that we know, as you and I have been saying, John, our identity in Jesus. The A is abiding. Abiding means this. It's dwelling with Jesus. This is John 15. Abide in me backstage. I in you backstage and you bear much fruit on the front stage. So even if it's a simple, simple exercise that I coach people to do, if God were to write you a letter about where your heart is and what you're experiencing in your current narrative, what would he mm -hmm. say? Or if you were to write a letter to God, dear Jesus, what would you say to God? Based on what you know to be true about God, if God were to write you a letter, you could do it either way. God, a letter from God to you, a letter from you to God. The point is, I encourage and coach people to simply do it pen to paper, pencil to paper, because of what it does to our brain. Our brain engages at a deeper level when we do pen to paper, pencil to paper, and to write that letter and get into the story. And what do you know to be true about God? And let him tell you, let him tell you in that letter, dear Johnny, we know he would sign it, love you immensely, but what would he say to you in terms of what's going on in your backstage or how you're showing up in your front stage? So that's a practical way that we can begin to abide in him. And then John, the aura in large is rest. Jesus says in John in uh, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, Dealing with self-pity, depression, anxiety is pretty wearisome. That is a burden. And to keep carrying it. Oh, and a lot of us carry it like a badge of honor. Like, oh, yeah, I'm getting yeah, through. I'm yeah. getting through. I'm like, no, you're, you're, can we be real? Dude, you are dying inside. Yeah, exactly. You are dying inside. And Jesus says, what you need more than anything is rest and i and that rest is found in that relationship with me it says i will give you rest take my yoke upon you learn of me that i'm gentle i'm humble and you will find rest for yourself so we're not talking about eight hours of sleep even though that's a good deal but soul rest is very different soul rest connects well with the fruit of the spirit where i have mm. peace where i have joy where i feel back to love and so this is really really important and then, John, that G enlarges glory. Now we're getting at motivation because 
glory in Hebrew is the word kabod, and it means the weightiness of God. So how do, and this has been my prayer, God, where shame has been loud in my story, let glory be far louder than the shame in my story. Mm. Let glory. Why? Because glory now, we're talking center stage. God gets center stage, and now the motivation for my front stage is no longer about the ambition of Johnny Parker. It's the glory of God. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light, Johnny Parker, John Romstead, let your light so shine before men, front stage, that they would see your good works, front stage, that it brings the Father glory. But the motivation has changed. The motivation of the heart now is the glory of God. So now I'm free because I'm not showing up, again, not for love, not for personal glory. I'm showing up using the gifts and experiences in my life to bring the Father glory. And that's what Jesus says. And even when he closes out in John 17, 4, Father, I have brought you what? Glory on earth. I have completed the work you've called me. We talk about calling that you've called me to do. And then he closes out with the E is excellence. That excellence is that bridge from backstage to front stage. That we're excellent of heart and excellent of habit of front stage and backstage. I love what you said about glory. And you know what? Something that can, you know, uh, is a wedge in there is that shame. And I, I just want to share with people. Yeah. You know what? It's interesting. Those things in my backstory right? My backstage, so to speak, that, uh, you know, where there was guilt, where there was shame, where there was almost a felt of, hey, I'm not worthy. Who am I to stand in front of a group of Christian men and talk about how to have an awesome marriage when I've either had these thoughts? Like, you know, there's no infidelity, but right, you know, you're not perfect. And all, but guess what? That shame is, uh, this is how I started receiving it, was me not receiving God's unconditional and perfect forgiveness through the grace of Jesus. And if there is guilt and there is shame, I got to tell you now, you know what that tells me is I got to get closer to the Lord because there's, I am not there yet. Because when I was in his presence there, even with everything laid bare, there was no guilt. There was no shame. There was just perfect love. And it blew my mind. And in that place, I can step into now every situation, because you know what, whether I feel prepared or not, I'm there as Christ's ambassador, right? And I have to accept, you know, everybody talks about the Ephesians 2.10 calling, right? But it also says in there, I love the translation, that we are Christ's perfect workmanship. So if you end up in front of a group of CEOs, Johnny, or like, I don't know anything about football, let's just say somebody invites me to go speak in a, in a locker room and share part of my testimony. And I've never played football except in high school, and I wasn't very good. But guess what? When God sends you to a place, he's with you. But you know what the enemy wants to do? They want to twist your understanding of your identity and pull you away just enough for you to go, ah, that's not me. I'm not worthy. So you don't do those works. If he just gets you off track a little bit, right, he's doing the happy dance whatever his version of that is, because yeah. I'm sure it's just ugly, but sure. he doesn't have, for a lot of us, he doesn't have to do much to make us ineffective for the work God is doing out in the kingdom. Don't you think, Johnny? Absolutely. You said it well there, John. No, no question. You know, again, he did that for many years of my life. I've been invested 
that way, but I'm so glad again that God rewrites our story, that we that God allows a turning of the page, as Hebrews says about Jesus. He's the author, right? He writes a new story. You know, he's the God who says that um, not just a second chance, but it's, it's another chance. And um, he takes what the enemy meant for evil mm. and he writes a story of good, no matter what the circumstances in which we were born, no matter what was done to us, no matter what we've done. Whatever was done for evil that we did for evil, even as we surrender our agenda to the Father, God writes a new story through Jesus. Right. I love I got this scripture on my wall. I'm staring at it right here. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So just just know, man, that 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 is that's Romans 8 28, but so much hope in that, regardless of all these yeah. external circumstances, God is going to turn it for his good, right? It's the good. But now with that, Johnny, how do people connect with you, find you, your website, where to get your book, everything? Yeah, simple. Johnny Parker, Johnny spelled J-O-H-N-N-Y, johnnyparker.com. You go there and then you have access to my book. My book's turned the page, my uh, renovating your marriage. And then you can also get a really, really cool uh, resource that we created, John, called Heart. And it's all around how to have courageous conversations. And it's from the backstage forward. And again, they can just simply go to johnnyparker.com forward slash heart. And you will get a tool to have courageous conversations where you look at humility and honor and empathy. And one of the best questions that comes out of that tool that came from my marriage that I use in uh, my coaching all the time came from my marriage. John, I asked my wife, honey, what do you want me to hear that I'm not hearing? And that question has served me well in so many uh, situations and conversations. How did you feel about hearing what you weren't hearing that you probably didn't want to hear, but you heard? <laughs> there you go. Exactly. That's good. That's another, that's another version of that, but that's exactly it. Yeah. I you know, because that's so awesome. Interesting. I think one of the most beautiful things for a marriage, for a family, for a work team is actually taking the time out to actually have meaningful conversations, not about the work, not about, hey, what we're doing this weekend, or, you know, what are all the plans with everybody's school schedules, work schedules, or, but you know what, it's about meaningful conversations about the things that matter, you know, and with that, Johnny, just what are just some final thoughts to just encourage everybody, you know, listening, as they've been following along with what we've been talking about? Well, I think, John, that as we're talking about that, this idea of leadership and, and growing in a relationship with Christ, it's such an intentional daily decision mm -hmm. that we don't bump into better. We don't wander to wellness. That leadership, as I like to tell people, it, it's hard work. That leadership is hard work. It's a backstage work, right? It's hard work. It's hard work. It's worth the work. And with God and with community of safe people, you and I get to do this work to the glory of God. You know, I love that. In John 10, 10, you know, Christ says, I came to give you life so that you can live it to the full. And here's maybe a final thought for folks. Let's say 10, 10 being fully alive. Like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to, I don't want to go to bed because I can't wait for tomorrow. Like I'm so fired up about life. One is, hey, you know what? I'm barely hanging on. And where are you at on there? How would you like to just move up a plus one? If you're a four, let's get you to a five. And I love this. You know what? You don't wander to wellness. 
It takes some intentional work. A big part of that for both Johnny and I is Pinnacle Forum. They are amazing groups. They are my band of brothers. They are the men. Like every Wednesday morning, we actually get together on Zoom, and we also get together in person quarterly. These guys have been my absolute foundation and my rock as we've gone through everything in business the last couple of years. If you guys want some information on that, just go to pinnacleforum.com. It's P-I-N-N-A-C-L-E forum.com. But Johnny, thank you for being here. You know, it's so encouraging because I know you have, you've gone through, we didn't even get to talk a lot about your personal story. I'd love to have you back on. Some of the things that you've gone through just inspire me. You've taken that and turned that into, hey, how do I serve other people toward living that full life, having an amazing marriage, making a, you know, having a life that is impactful in all you do. So thank you for who you are and the work you're doing in the world. And just, uh, you're just a great man, my friend. John, it's been an honor being with you. Let's definitely, let's, let's talk some more. Let's keep the conversation going. Absolutely. All right, everybody out there. So listen, what's one thing you can go do? Go to Johnny's website, have some meaningful conversations and start thinking and, and just researching the word abide. In abiding, you're going to find the love and you're going to find, you're going to grow in your relationship with Christ. And for me, that was just foundational for everything that's honestly happened over the last many years. So go do that and let me know how it goes. And if we can be helpful at all, we're here for you. 